0: Tonight on the Goblins Corner. Games in fantasy games.
1: That's how we roll. 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 Welcome to the Goblins Corner. My name is Eric.
0: And I'm Matt.
1: And tonight,
0: we're doing games in fantasy games.
1: That's right. It's not what you think it is. Actually, it probably is what you think it is. I hope so. I hope so. So we're going to talk about tonight, games that are in whatever fantasy role-playing game you happen to be playing. It's games all the way down. And if you're telling a story to add a little bit of dimension and some flavor to your world. Yes. How to create a game up on the fly. It's not easy sometimes. No. But what you will find is that it's easier than you think. Sure. And we're going to show you how. Yeah. And that's it, really. Sounds good. It's going to be fun. I think I'm really excited because we're going to also show some games.
0: Yeah, just throw some out there, see what sticks. But before we get to all of that... We've got a question of the week. All right. Is it game-related, Matt? It is. Okay, so what is the question of the week? This is the first time I can say every one of our questions is game-related. That's very true, yes. (laughs) Fair enough, I like that. (laughs) All right. If you had to create a game on the fly... Okay. What prop would you use? Hmm... There's so many props that I would want to make a
1: game of, but I will say I would like to make a game out of a mallet.
0: Okay. That
1: doesn't have to be nefarious or anything like that. Everyone's thinking, oh, he's going to make a game based off of a slot and they're going to hit somebody with a mallet. And yes, I would totally do that. Sure. And in fact, I'm probably going to do that right after we record this. Right. But there are many games with mallets. Croquet, for example. Wagamole. Whack-A-Mole has one, and probably other games as well. Strength test? Oh, the, the strength, yeah, strength test is a wonderful game of chance to see if you can whack the little little bell. Yeah. So. And that's really all I need, really.
0: So yeah. I'd say a mallet, yeah. A mallet. A mallet would be fun. All right. That is, it's not where I thought I was going with that question, but it's 100% a correct answer. <laughs>
1: hmm. You didn't expect that, did you? I no. You were thinking something like cards or dice. Sure. And that would also be useful too.
0: For me, uh, I would like to go with... Hmm, It's tough. It is, because there's so many options. And I've thrown you a curveball. Now,
1: I would can I recommend one for you? Sure. A crowbar. <laughs> Much like a mallet, but you can get into many more places. We used to call <laughs> the crowbar the key to the city, by the way, folks. That's correct. Because it opens what? Every door. And head. Mm -hmm. Open the skull real easy. Yep. Got a zombie apocalypse? Crowbar. Need to get into a car? Crowbar.
0: Starting a thieves' guild? Crowbar. Crowbar. Every time. (laughs) What can't it do? Very few things. That's right. Heal wounds. Yeah, okay. Fair (laughs) enough. No, that's literally, like, that's pretty much it. Oh, okay,
1: good. So, what would your... Prop B.
0: I like so many answers. Uh, I would want something that you, if we're doing a game on the fly, right, I want something that's going to be on hand. Silverware. Silverware.
1: Yep. A game using silverware, like forks and spoons and knives and such? Yes. That
0: would be pretty cool. Like, imagine reverse Jenga. Okay. You have to stand up and build... An object out of silverware, and the first one whose pyramid seesaw, whatever falls loses. love it. That's dexterity and intelligence right there. mm-hmm.
1: yeah, silverware is cool. sure, silverware. there we go. All right, all right. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that, honestly <laughs> i'm kind of I'm kind of fluxed. It's very good, thank you. You've stumped me for
0: things to say. Well, there we go. You, you give me a mallet, I'm giving you silverware. It, there we a, go.
1: It's a first. It's happened, folks. I'm stumped on what to say. <laughs> Are you
0: the owner of silverware? Perhaps you have a mallet.
1: Write to us: info at goblinscorner dot com, or you can reach me, Eric at goblinscorner dot com, or me, Matt at goblinscorner dot com. And of course, you can find us on all the things. So many things. Got Discord, Twitter. We're talking a lot now. Yeah, I'm on Reddit. <sighs> really? Yeah. Think about that. Oh, dear. all fucked up now. (laughs) All right, so let's talk a little bit about games and fantasy games, Matt. First off, what do we mean by games in fantasy games?
0: We're talking about games to be played in TTRPGs. So if you're all sitting in a casino, maybe playing poker or things like that, but you want a little more flavor, let's not play poker. Let's play Dragon's Ante or... What have you.
1: Sure. The game Havoc.
0: Played with cards
1: and you throw fireballs at each other, something like that. In every fantasy story that I've seen, they always kind of sprinkle in a little bit of oomph, like some games or something that's different about that fantasy world. Now, it doesn't have to necessarily include magic. Right. Which is the first thing people think of. Oh, I got to have a game and it's played with magic. And we've got one. We've built one. Right. But it doesn't have to be. We're talking about how do you world build a bit more, because we talked about making cities, right? thieves, guilds, and all the other types of, you know, organizations, and now we're getting into some stuff like culture, and, and a game is a cultural piece. Yes. So, yeah. Now, in this case, the games can be separated into several different categories. What are some of those categories?
0: You got sports, mm-hmm. gambling and parlor games. Boards and board and tabletop style games.
1: Kind of like this podcast.
0: Indeed. Educational games. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Games teach people lots of stuff.
0: Right. Puzzles and guessing games. Ooh, like riddles. Yeah.
1: What has it got in its pockets? What's in its pockets?
0: I can do the voice. I'm not going to. Yeah. And, you know, just things to pass the time. Okay.
1: There's also other stuff like drinking games or party games. Absolutely. There's singing and acting games or improv games and and various other social games. But those will most likely be covered in some other future episode because drinking games, That's that's a whole episode. And right. Riddles particularly will be its own episode, how to throw Riddles into a campaign. And we don't have the time to talk about that
0: today. There's only... You know, 5,000 years worth of lore to draw on there. Yeah. that's that. We're going to have to do a little <laughs> more than 15 minutes of Wikipedia
1: research on that. So tonight, what we're going to focus on are fantasy sports games. And I don't mean like the fantasy football. I'm talking like sp- fantasy made-up sport games. Right. Sports in fantasy. Yes. Yeah. We're going to do fantasy board games. Fantasy educational games. Fantasy puzzles. And maybe some pastimes or something like that. Sure. And that's it. So we're going to try to focus on if you want to build those types of games for your campaign
0: to play. Now, one of the things we are absolutely going to do is we're going to ignore the elephant in the room. There's not going to be a whole team of kids on brooms while one player on each team can win the game single-handedly. I'm not saying it doesn't look fun, but it's dumb.
1: Yeah, I never understood how the hell they win on that.
0: It would literally be smarter just to have a team full of fast people. Like, why have anybody else? You're a school full of
1: wizards, and you're playing this, like, little ball game. You're chasing all these ridiculous-looking balls around, and you can literally just magic the game to win. I'm just saying. Somebody explain that to me, because I don't get it. Matt doesn't <laughs> get it either. I bet Mosey gets it. I bet he doesn't. I mean, he may not. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? All right. Now, many of you probably at this point are asking... Look, I get what you're saying, games and fantasy games, but why would you have games in your fantasy TTRBG? Or, for that matter, why would you have a game in a sci-fi game? Like, what's the point?
0: Right. Our answer, as it always is, is flavor. Story flavor. Story flavor.
1: Yeah. Games inside a tabletop game provide interesting side stories for your story.
0: Right. It gives characters depth, right? Like, the gambler now has a game... To actually play.
1: Yeah. What are they gambling? Are they gambling with bones? Are they rolling dice? Are they playing cards like the huckster throwing some cards, slinging some cards around? Maybe it's roulette. Could be anything.
0: Sure. Or if it's a game of skill, it allows you to have hustlers. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Because there's a difference between a gambler and a hustler. Yeah. Gamblers are good at understanding the odds. Hustlers don't play odds. They play people. Exactly.
1: Yeah, there's a difference between a guy who's gambling at Vegas and a pool shark. Yes. Way, and that's a different mentality. It could be similar. They could be the same. But usually, they're very different in terms of like what they're trying to get at. Yes. Yeah, jokers, smokers, midnight tokers, all that sort of thing going on playing games. As we always say, the more you add in terms of lore or
0: story to your game world enriches your game world. Exactly. It brings life to different societies that you create, and the qualities that they consider important or fun. The types of skills or activities that they focus on helps bring out what their primary focus is.
1: Absolutely. Now, a great example of that is uh, chess, and that's in the real world. So chess represents a classic military battle. Right, I mean that's where it came from. Right, it's, sure. it's like strategy, right? Like a bunch of ar- moving armies around and stuff, and you could it could be educational. In fact, many games teach children about real life skills.
0: Realistically, every card game is just a math game.
1: Yes. So the games society plays can give your players information or story options and lore about the society without having to go look in a book. Or do an investigation check or everything else, right? You could. So if you come across a set of travelers and they're playing a specific game and the game involves cutting their hand every time they lose, you probably think, shit, that's a hardcore game. Right. You don't want to mess with these guys. Look what they're fucking doing when they're playing with, you know, they're cutting their hands and bleeding on the, you know, on the runes or whatever when they play. Yeah. Every round. Hey, look. Some people
0: take games seriously, I mean,
1: I guess Russian roulette could be a game too, but you don't really want to play it. I mean there's not that many long term players with that, <laughs> whereas someone's just taking a bunch of rocks and they're maybe doing some kind of um like some kind of strategy game, okay that gives you more of an insight into maybe they're strategy minded as a culture or they they value specific things
0: sure, and that's where we're
1: going with this
0: the games your your society plays can give you your players info about the society but also it could provide you with the opportunity to actually dump a little lore if your characters come up on people playing a game and they're interested that is the perfect chance for you to do a lore dump without someone having to open a book or anything else because if they sit down with the NPCs and they're like hey what are we playing oh this is the game here's how it works this is why yeah. we play this game.
1: 100%. This is a gift for the DM to give to the players as a gift as well, because it's a gift for you. You don't have to ham fist some lore in inopportune
0: moments, which we've all done. Yeah. You don't have to write it on a mallet and smack him in the head. Yeah. You just beat him over the head with this lore. <laughs> Another use of the mallet.
1: Listen to this lore. There you go. <laughs> Very useful, the mallet. Uh, but in addition to that, it's something that the characters are interested in. And that's what you want. You want people to be interested in your story, and this is a great way to do that. So that's why you would put games in your game. Yes. Now, once you know the the why, let's talk a little bit about the how, Matt.
0: Okay. First, you have to consider what particular town or society is doing, believes in, etc. Before you can make a game, you have to understand why are they making a game and what do they have available to make it with? If you live in the desert, the odds that they're going to be making a card game Slim. relatively low.
1: Yeah, not many trees to make paper out of. Right. I guess cactus, you could dry it out or something.
0: But cactus is useful for food and
1: water and... That goes back to the sadomastic people that were cutting themselves and bleeding in a-, in a game. Yeah. They would have like cactus paper, it's prickly, it's like <laughs> Breaking their skin when they draw cards. Sure. We've just come up with a really cool fantasy game, dude. Think about that.
0: We'll, we'll work out some rules for it. Yeah.
1: yeah we'll, we'll figure that out. So so what we're talking about is this comes, really comes down to fleshing out your fantasy world. Right. And in general, your settings as well. Find the motivations that people have, and your games can then correlate
0: to those motivations or goals. Sure it would be completely unsurprising to find a bunch of Greek-style philosophers sitting around riddling each other.
1: Because they're already riddling each other with philosophy. Yeah. So it fits the style.
0: So what you're wanting to do with games is you want to make those values or beliefs represented in the game. Yes. So, Going back to chess, right? A society which values a strong army is going to play chess. Fortune telling denotes games which believe in fate. Mm-hmm. So you can learn a lot. And
1: this is where we come to the lore dump that you mentioned earlier. This is something you can say, hey, this society is very fate oriented. They've got games where these stones represent maybe uh, particular deities in your campaign or particular f- paths of fate, like the Web of Fate. These cards, you know, like a, a tarot deck or taroka deck in Ravenloft might be actually work, but it's also played as a game. Right. That's always fun when, when it's also real. The game is also real. Sure. <laughs> this is a lot of fun stuff. Once you've figured this out, though, you can then start to think about the sort of work people do in the society. And then you can also build your game either to make work less dreary, sure. which often happens, or you can use it to teach the populace, like kids or others, about the particular type of work. So it doesn't necessarily have to be about a society or their beliefs. It could also just be something mundane, learning a skill. Right. I'll give you an example. Hide and seek. Hide and seek exists in our world. Sure. And it's literally just, it's finding and hunting skills. That's why we play hide, hide and seek, right? In a fantasy setting, a hide and seek game could teach survival skills because there's literal monsters in the woods. Right. You're hiding from trolls. Yes. So Hide and Seek is a kid's game that all the kids play to hide from monsters.
0: It is literally the precursor to the stealth skill. Yes. Yeah. And Seeking is the precursor to the survival skill. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A game with fake money, like Monopoly, right? Okay. Might teach merchants about numbers and math. And methodology. Trade skills that they can use in
1: their day-to-day life. Yep. Yeah. A game which maybe uses like a curved stick or something like that, or a ball might mimic the same type of movements that farmers might use when they're like moving a scythe around to thresh wheat or whatever they thresh with. Yeah. I don't know what people thresh. I'm just gonna. I just like the word. (laughs) So whatever... Uh, whatever that implement happens to be, it's mimicking those movements and behaviors because that's what they see
0: in real life growing up or to teach their kids skills. Right. And a game with a curved stick and a ball in a different area, right? Like high lie. That's hunting skills. Sure. If you chuck a wooden ball at a small creature at a hundred miles an hour, you either have dinner or you missed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So those are two examples of ways you can use games and how to put them together. Now, another option, a third option, is to go ahead and just toss a couple of random chance games into your world. Because games of chance, I would say, in fantasy settings particularly, are kind of universal. And that's an easy... So if you don't want to think anything up because you just don't have the time, or maybe your players aren't that interested and you just need to throw a little lore, throw a couple games of chance. There's always gambling
0: games. Yes. People have been gambling since the inception of money. Yeah. Unless
1: that society is completely lawful.
0: And even then, that means there's going to be underground gambling.
1: One, yeah, absolutely. So these can be card games, dice games, bone games, stick games. Honestly, you could just bet on horses, horse racing, hair racing, monster racing, whatever it happens to be, right? Yep. Silverware. Yeah. <laughs> now, the trick with the gambling games is, is there something more to it than just the money? Is there like a magical element to the games of chance? Sure. That always that's always puts a fun spin on things. Oh, yeah.
0: Sometimes the magical element to a game of chance, if you're in a fantasy casino, right? hmm The new car that you win could be a trained griffin.
1: That would be or,
0: awesome. Right? Like, <laughs> you don't just have to think about the games being magical. The rewards could also be magical. You
1: got yourself a fourteen seventy two Dale Reckoning uh, Water Deep Griffin. Come on down and look at it. Yep, it's got two two leather seats. It's uh, it's open to the elements, so it's got a sunroof. It's actually a uh, it's it's convertible. <laughs> it's got a no roof. It's yeah. got a no roof. No roof convertible right there. Flies at an estimated uh, four hay barrels a day. <laughs> Whatever Griffins eat, they eat. They eat horses yes horse that's yeah, it's four horsepower that's how many horses it eats <laughs> right. every day
0: that's how many horses <laughs> it takes to keep it going sure. yeah that'd be great <laughs> that's great the the other thing is is you could have like a magical dave and busters right where you keep playing games to get tickets to buy magical tchotchkes and trinkets and we whatever just,
1: we have our next campaign matt it's going to be a mad gnome i think hear me out there's going to be a gnome i'm shocked that it's got to be a gnome dude. He's gonna, he's gonna have, and it's gonna, it's gonna be like a Dave and Buster's, but you get a whole bunch of tickets to get to the next level of games. Mm. So it's like a, it's so we're gonna combine a dungeon crawl with a Dave and Buster's with a magical gnome.
0: Every level, you can spend your tickets for healing, yeah, magic items, mm-hmm. new spells, whatever you want. Right? It's you literally get tickets instead of treasure for. The game
1: this is great we really have to make this game yeah we're gonna play this watch for it guys it's gonna be awesome okay so again once you get this basic idea of either to use lore or some kind of skill or you know some kind, some kind of element for the game now let's consider the format
0: right is it a card game hmm a puzzle game tabletop sport what have you yeah. what what is it
1: and and don't feel you have to come up with the rules for the game. And I want to stress this point because you're thinking, damn, I got to come up with like all the rules this game. I'm not a game creator. I don't I, I want it to tell a story. That's fine. Just tell the story. Right. The game in, involved two balls and a cup. And that's all you need to know. Like they don't need to know how, even how to play the game if, right. if they don't get into it. The point is, is you need a basic idea of there is a game that's being played and it's different from other games in our world.
0: Sure. That's it. If you want to come up with actual games and stuff like that, that's also great. But if not, you can use the mechanics that are in place. In Dungeons & Dragons, there's literally gaming sets and kits that you can have proficiency in. Yeah. You can just do roll-offs. You can add... You know, uh, sleight of hand if you plan on cheating, things like that.
1: Yeah. Just remember that the games are for your story. And so just like anything else, when we talk about world building, throw a couple bullet points in. Just just get the basic flavor of what the characters are doing, whether it's NPCs or PCs. And then if it becomes a thing for your players, they really get into this, then you flesh it out later on.
0: Yeah, and... If they're really into it and they seem to be really enjoying it, have them help you make the mechanics to make the actual game. If they want to play the game in game, then they can help you make it.
1: Yeah. And that's it. Remember, this is collaborative storytelling.
0: Yep. Just because you
1: come up with a crazy idea for something doesn't mean you have to supply all the answers. That's what your players are for. And if, and if in fact, if you have some players that want to create their own games that don't exist yet, Do it. Absolutely. It comes in. If one of my players brought me a brand new game, I said, I want to put this in your world.
0: All right, cool. If a player brought me a game, what I'd do is I'd play a couple rounds with them. If it seemed to be stacked towards the house, right? Like in blackjack. Right. I would put it in a casino. If it seemed to be an, equal opportunity game amongst players then i would have the players and or the npcs play it like poker where there is no house it's literally everybody against everybody at that point as long as i know what the baseline to the game is we're set it goes in the game why not yeah if it's active make it a sport
1: sure if it's something that involves money like you said it could be a gambling game if it's something that mimics something maybe that goes on in the game, it could be like an educational or puzzle game or skill-based
0: game. Could be a TTRPG in your TTRPG.
1: That would be hilarious. And I think that would be, yeah, they, they play regular people.
0: Yes. Managers and offices.
1: Yeah. Managers and offices. That's, that's the game they all play. <laughs> so what we're saying is, is, there's a lot of room to expand upon your world with these types of of story elements. Absolutely. All right. We're going to talk a little bit more about some options within games, and we're going to give you guys a couple of brand new games
0: we've come up with, but we'll be right back. After these messages.
1: If there are any topics you would like us to cover, goods or services you would like us to review, or if you would like to sponsor an episode, we would love for you to contact us at info at goblinscorner.com see you there and we're back welcome back so we're talking games and fantasy games and we discussed a little bit about adding a game to your ttrbg of choice
0: Yep. talked about why to add games
1: yeah and gave you a couple of reasons in terms of lore education the various types of games you could put into your TTRPG.
0: Yep. Talked a little bit about how to put them together. Mm-hmm.
1: And now what we'll do is let's talk a little bit of a couple of ways that if you want to add a game into your campaign, what are some opportune moments to interject that game in a story? So this is kind of like the where of the situation. Where do you put the game? Yeah, we got the why, the how, now we got the where. And so let's talk a little bit about those storytelling options. Sure. The easiest couple that we've come up with matt are what visiting a fair Mm -hmm.
0: who doesn't like fair games there's always games at a fair right and they could be the whack-a-mole kind or they could be let's see you get the strength test you could have uh archery or those kind of competitions really nearly anything including games of chance games of chance Feats of strength like wrestling or what have you. Yeah. You name it. Oh, dexterity ones like walking up the, the little ladder that tips and all of that sort Axe of stuff. ax
1: throwing competitions and such.
0: Yeah. Or you know
1: what I was thinking, which would be great? You know the uh what was it? The 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 fortune you know the fortune telling booth from the movie Big? Yeah. Imagine a magical version of that. A little Zoltar action. The little Zoltar action, but it gives you a deck of many things.
0: Uh, no, that's a terrible plan.
1: <laughs> that would be awesome.
0: That would have to be in a higher level campaign. Oh, would that hope. would be
1: hilarious. I'm going to put that in the with the Feywild campaign, a little carnival of uh, delights. It'd be a carnival of terror.
0: <laughs>
1: Lots of fun. Another option, and this is, again, a no-brainer, throw it into a casino. Sure. What kind of games could we throw into a casino, Matt? M- thinking fantasy here.
0: Oh, there's so many fun ones. What about... Just silly stuff like uh tressum races. Yeah, or monster fighting in general. They have like yeah. cockfighting,
1: and it's a terrible thing here, but but in a fantasy game, it'd be hilarious to watch two monsters fight.
0: Yeah, a Blink Dog and a uh Displacer Beast. They hate each other anyway. You're really just giving them the opportunity.
1: There you go. <laughs> Gold dragon and a red dragon
0: in a high-level campaign. I, I am not building that coliseum. Oh, that stadium would take some damage. You need some insurance for that, man. And <laughs> a... Got to make the entire place f- flame-proof.
1: All kinds of gambling games of choice. Yeah. It'd certainly be in a magic dead room if I was running that casino. There'd be a beho- There'd be beholders everywhere with the nullification eyes. Yep, They'd be the bouncers. No, they would be the dealers. Yeah. That would be awesome. Think about it, his levitation eyes just kind of
0: dealing out cards. hmm And the wizard's going, shit.
1: <laughs> 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 what am I supposed to do? I can't cheat.
0: The arcane trickster just walks in, looks around, walks back out. Yep. Can't <laughs> steal, can't cast a spell. I'm screwed. And I'm gonna get seen by somebody. There are thousands of eyes floating around here. Oh yeah. I'm out.
1: Yeah. I see all.
0: That's yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome, man. What about team competitions mm-hmm. for like cities or countries or even schools, if you've got them in your game? There's
1: lots of Meets between two different civilizations, or like you said, yeah, two different cities in a fantasy setting, and competitions often happen. Sure, especially if they have like what is it like a like a community type fair, like when they meet in the center or something like that. Yeah, or one group co- goes to the next city. Yeah, that what a great way to throw some games of all types into your story.
0: I mean, think about jousting competitions in the Middle Ages. People came from different countries to compete same thing
1: perfect example of that or even like you say gladiatorial games in like the roman empire and stuff like that
0: yep a lot of wealth and prestige that would be an easy way to jump into either betting Mm -hmm. competing what if your small town now that you've kind of grown a little bit and gotten a little more powerful what if all of a sudden your small town is like you know what we would love to field you guys as a team.
1: Oh, that would be cool! What a great way to have a story where you're just a a group of like players, or like I said, doing a coliseum thing, right? Sure, that's great for a bunch of hack and slashers that want to play. just you know some some murder hoboing.
0: Okay, you're thrown into the arena. Oh, see, what I was thinking was, if you start as a low level campaign, or even like literally a first level campaign, you get a couple levels in your little starter town. And the mayor rolls up on you and he's like, guys, so I've got this idea. There is a Hamlet to Hamlet competition at the, at the fair every year. We'd like you guys to be our surprise team because we've never fielded a team. We've never had anybody. Hmm. That'd be kind of cool. And then you could literally just make your hometown famous overnight. What a great story that would be. Other
1: options include, let's say you have a crime boss that's fixing particular games. What a great story option to interject the actual games themselves into that. Or maybe the players have to put a stop to that particular type of crime ring. Yeah. You got to figure out what the game is so you can understand. Maybe they got to go undercover. Absolutely. That'd be
0: fun. That, go back to your gladiatorial games, right? You've got some crime bosses that are literally have hired people in the the stands to maybe blow dart somebody and knock them out in the middle of the competition, things like that. Or just enough to slow them down. Warriors taking a knee. Yeah.
1: Maybe they don't play to the death. Maybe they just play to the pain.
0: Sure. Who knows, right?
1: We want you to throw the game. All right.
0: I'll I'll throw this fight. You could have cooperative games during specific seasons, like harvest games or planting season games. Yeah, and this
1: could be as simple as just competition like a race to get harvest done right or it could be a game that you do every i don't know every five ears of corn i shuck i do a little dance or something like that right whatever it happens to be uh for that matter you could use games in particular rites of passage
0: 100 percent.
1: because a lot of games as we mentioned mimic skills or trades from real life and we mean real life like either their real life or ours
0: sure you could have traditional games At meetings of particular crossroads.
1: What a great place to meet different civilizations or cultures. Yeah.
0: What if you had an information broker who literally just hangs out at crossroads playing games with people over coffee, tea, whatever, just chatting. Just collecting information innocuously Mm -hmm. that they go and sell. Even if it's small news, it's news that other places aren't getting.
1: What a cool NPC to have in a campaign that just hangs out. Speaking of information, what if you had like a board game was played, a particular type of game was played to let the other player know that you're part of some secret organization. Maybe instead of like having a secret handshake, they play a particular game. And I'm thinking Pie Show from Avatar The Last Airbender, where they, they match the tiles up in a specific order to be part of the White Lotus Sure. You could do something like that in your campaign. That's really cool. It's a normal game for everybody else, but if you match these cards in a particular order, they know you're part of the League of Assassins or
0: whatever. Sure. You could also have puzzle games to get into particular dungeons or crypts. And these are a lot of fun, because we've done
1: puzzles before in traps and puzzles in dungeons. Maybe that's the actual key to get someplace to bypass an obstacle.
0: And it could be a simple game that you could provide for your players. You know, the, the little slider pictures, Mm -hmm. you could print out an appropriate size picture, cut it up, put each one of them on the appropriate slider put together, and then just jumble it up and hand it to your players. If you want to be an asshole, you give them a Rubik's cube and tell them to solve it, to open the door. (laughs) If they do that, I'm not going to complain when they look up how to solve a Rubik's Cube and literally just do it because, you know, it's just a process. Sure.
1: Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, those are a couple of examples that we have just to interject these types of games that you're coming up with for your game. Now, we wouldn't be who we were without having a couple of games for you to use in your campaign. Sure. Now, these are six games that we happen to have. Mm-hmm. And they're varied, right? We've got a couple of games that might teach some skills. We've got a gambling game. We've got a very strange game. Got a couple of sports.
0: Sure. So
1: hit me with our first game. How do you pronounce this? Norbalurker. Okay. So this is a dwarven block game. Okay. For kids, this game played by dwarven children uses eleven to twenty-three blocks of various types, and they could be cubes pyramids, rectangles, cylinders, you know, whatever, right? They're stone blocks, Mm -hmm. along with five keystones, quote unquote, which are cunningly crafted to fit any of the oddly shaped blocks together. Okay. So imagine if you were 11 to 23 blocks and a couple of, I would, I guess they're like, if everything is a minus, they're pluses, right? They fit any of the other blocks together and you can use them to mash two blocks into one. Sure. Sure. Norbalurker always uses prime numbered blocks, so the more advanced sets might have additional pieces. For example, 29 or 53 is a common Norbalurker set for advanced pieces. Much like you have puzzles with only like a couple pieces and puzzles with a thousand. Sure, makes sense. And consequently, there will also be more keystones involved because you've got more blocks to build, right? Right. The object of Norbalurker is to put all of the pieces together in a way that it creates a solid object without immediately falling apart. Okay. Bonus points are given if the participant uses less of the keystones involved. All right. So you've got 11 to 23 blocks of various types, you've got five keystones, maybe you put something together, it doesn't matter what it is, this is a structure, right? Right. And then you only use three keystones, or you're going to win more points than someone that puts something together that uses all five. Sure, that makes sense. What would you say the purpose of this is? What's the purpose of Norberlurker is to teach dwarves the basics of stone crafting and the fitting of stone without mortar, which is a very useful skill in their world. Sure,
0: that makes sense.
1: They know about architecture, they know about stonework, and this is like a kid's game to teach their dwarven children how to fit stones together.
0: Makes perfect sense to me.
1: What a cool game that is. Yeah. Now, the next one we've got is uh, something you came up with, which is called Draw and Deliver. Tell me a little bit about Draw and Deliver, Matt.
0: All right. Draw and Deliver is a card game taught in Bardic Colleges. It's used as a storytelling game that uses a Taroka deck or a Tarot deck, whatever you've got handy. Participants must create a story based upon opponent's draws. And the crowd gathered around determines the winner based off of how well the Bard told the story. So someone
1: draws a couple cards, Mm -hmm. shows them to you. And it would be strategy with that because they might
0: try to find the worst things they can come up with. Absolutely. So, the bar's got to tell a story on it. Exactly. If you draw five cards, you lay down the first card, whatever it is, Yep. and I start my story and then you lay down the second card and then the third card and then the fourth and however many cards you've got, right? You're trying to tell a cohesive story. Your opponent is playing their cards to basically prevent you from telling a cohesive story. Yeah. And the winner is whoever the crowd thinks did the best job of telling the story.
1: That's awesome. That's an easy game to play. And what a great game to put into like a fantasy story. So how does this teach?
0: Does this teach anything? Oh, absolutely. It teaches bards the ability to work crowds.
1: Yeah. Because you got to tell a good story.
0: Right. Which means you got to work that crowd a little bit. Deal with hecklers. Oh, yeah. because. There's going to be hecklers everywhere. And to improv and come up with stuff on the fly. Like, this is literally part of storytelling is improv. I love this. This would be a great game to play in real life, too. And this could only be an Eric game coming up next. Uh,
1: The game is called Cog 97.18 Tax Return. Okay. Okay. Guess where this is oh, coming yeah, from. No, I, oh, yeah. yeah. Mechanus. Practiced only on COG 97.18, somewhere in Mechanus, this is a bewildering game of forms and paper shuffling. Lesser Modrons fill out in a cordial, productive competition with each other. Okay. Group of Modrons get together. Let's let's do some taxes. And they sure. try to see who can out-compete. Participants from all across the multiverse can compete, however, and many do, Since the winner of the games gets a boon directly from Primus, the god of Mechanus. That's a big deal. Should they survive the blindingly arcane bureaucracy of filing and paperwork, which can melt mortal minds? Absolutely. If you survive doing the taxes of Mechanus, then you get a boon from Primus. And you should get a good one, too. Sure. Maybe that's how you get a a lawful neutral warlock pact, guys. That would be cool. (laughs) What a great storyline that would be. You don't even have to play the game. Like this warlock is a, a warlock of, of Modrons or Mechanus. the mm, clockwork of Primus. Clockwork soul, right? Yep. Or if, if you're a sorcerer, how did you get your powers? I filled out taxes. That's it. That's, that's all
0: it is. I won. I won.
1: <laughs> I, I won the tax war.
0: And I can also see this is almost, uh, like a stomp like percussionism, right? Where you're, right 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 shuffle shuffle bang bang right it's actually there's a there's a rhythm to all of it yeah, it's the konami code <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we've got another game here and this one's called Windiker that mm. i've come up with all right and this is a sport this time okay uh Windiker is a sport f- uh, favorite of jin Aero crocra and other humanoids of the plane of air okay Essentially, a three-dimensional game of tag It consists of two teams, runners and taggers. You've got some run- team of runners, team of taggers. Okay. Think dodgeball, and you're going to get three-dimensional okay. dodgeball. Runners must get from their start point to a randomly determined point on the playing field, which happens to be a sphere. Right. Makes so sense. You start someplace, and then you have to end someplace, and you have to basically go through the line of taggers. Taggers must either tag the runners with a bag filled with sand. Mm-hmm or that physically touch them before the runners get to the end point. Taggers always start from a higher vertical position than the runners. Sure. And there's a reason behind that. Those that get tagged are out, and those that make it to the end point without being tagged score points. Okay. Once the turn ends, the teams switch, and then the other team becomes the taggers, and the other team becomes the runners. The game ends after 10 rounds of this, with the winner being the team that has the most points. Sure. Pretty simple, right? Right. Now, this game came about... In response to the way arrowhawks, and if you remember what an arrowhawk is. I do. It's the, if you guys don't know what an arrowhawk is, think of a, I guess a hawk crossed with a pterodactyl, but it's four uh, wings. Quadrilateral instead of bilateral. Yes, a quadrilateral hawk, and they can be gigantic as well. Yes. So this game came about in response to those, and the way they attack creatures in the plane of air, because they'll dive straight down at you. Mm Mm-hmm. And many believe this enjoyable community game was once a training exercise against Arrowhawk attacks. Makes sense. There's the lore. Yeah. Pretty cool, right? Absolutely. Now, the next game we've come up with, which I love, and I want you to talk about this, Matt, is called Druid Stones.
0: Okay. Druid Stones is a game which consists of two sets of 183 small gray stones set on a wooden or stone board. ...that has 366 squares total. These represent the days of the year with the bonus day of leap year. Okay. The two players can move a stone each round, either moving a square forward... ...or removing both theirs and the opponent's stone nearby. Alternatively, a player can spend a round turning a grey stone into an elemental... ...which then is used in subsequent rounds... To allow the player to nullify two stones. So it's kind of like, in my brain,
1: Chinese checkers. Okay. So you've got all of the stones, and I can either move a stone forward to to get to the other side. I can take a stone, which gets rid of my stone and their stone, or I can turn a stone into an elemental. And then the next round, I can take that stone and nullify two stones, right? Yes. Okay, so how do they win?
0: The game concludes when an opponent's stones are all gone and one player's stones remains. So basically, whoever ends up with stones left on the board is the winner. It's a game of attrition. Yes. And
1: it you need some strategy because am I just going to flat out take a bunch of stones or am I going to turn a whole bunch of stones into elementals? Someone else is going to start taking my stones while I'm turning stuff
0: into elementals. Right. That's neat. Yeah. And, you know. A combo methodology is probably best, but it really... A lot of strategy. Yeah, there's a lot of strategy. Very simple. This game represents the benefits and challenges associated with shape-changing, right? Sometimes it's better to just go straight forward, and sometimes it's better to... Turn into a bear and maul shit. Yes.
1: Yeah, I get it. That's great got one more game here, and this is <laughs> one that I... I love this game. Ah, we came up with this last, and I gotta tell you, this is brilliant. So we're calling it the Fireball Run. Yes, indeed. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love everything about this. Famous throughout the realms, this is a no-holds-barred magical race across Faerun. hmm Wizards, conjurers, and various other magic users flock from all over to compete in the grand prize, the Cape of Majesty, which just looks like a really nice cape, and cold hard cash. Yeah. 50,000 gold pieces, to be precise.
0: Yeah. Could be a million. Could be. But it's I think- However 50, however
1: much. What level are your players? Yes. Participants start at Skullport and Waterdeep and must journey via whatever means, magical or otherwise, right. by hook or by crook, through each checkpoint in the trail. And generally, each checkpoint is in very hostile territory in the realms. Yes, this is intended to be a dangerous trip. Yes, so they got to get to the finish line, which changes every year. Yes, always so starts. You can't in s- pre-plan. Yeah, now it always starts in Skullport, but always ends someplace else. Could be on a volcano. Could be in Thay. Yeah, who knows? The only rules are that you must hit every checkpoint along the way. Mm-hmm. You can't fly. Right, levitation is fine. Yeah, yeah, you can levitate, but you can't, no air walking right. and that stuff, right? No teleportation or dimensional dream travel is allowed. Right. So you can't just teleport from one place to the other.
0: And you can't sidestep into, you know, the shadow or the ethereal, whichever. Right, right.
1: Now, because this requires lots of travel and evading the local authorities, the race is usually participated in teams. Yes. Because if you're conjuring a horse and run, riding across, you know, Faerun, you're going to have to sleep sometime.
0: Yeah. Now, we did say that this is primarily for magic folk, right? If you are a barbarian with a team of horses that thinks you can just power through this on constitution and strength alone, you you're welcome totally to. Do, you want to be an artificer with a construct that runs? Totally do it. Absolutely. A just gnome artificer using their, uh, their construct dog?
1: Yeah, you got a lantern gnome rolling along his
0: construct? Sure,
1: but remember, it's cutthroat, no holds barred. That's right. Might get blown up. You're going to get blown up. You're going to get blown up. Now, regardless of the number of team members, every one of the team members involved must make it to the checkpoints to continue.
0: Exactly. So having 500 people is not necessarily helpful because if a team of two people picks off one of your teammates... You're done. You're done. I mean, you have to
1: carry his corpse to the
0: checkpoint. Right. And if they steal the whole body and chuck it in a bag of holding, your team is out. You're disqualified.
1: Yeah. So if they die, you got to weaken at Bernie's this shit. (laughs) Yeah. That's what we're getting at. So there you have it. Some ways to interject games into your game, some methodologies to create delightful new games, and some new games for you to put into your fantasy game. Yep. I think it's delightful. It is delightful. Any questions or comments? Write to us. Info at goblinscorner.com or you can reach me, Eric at goblinscorner.com
0: or me, Matt at goblinscorner.com. We're on all the things. Matt, what are the things we're on? We're on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and Twitch. As Goblins Corner. And Instagram. As The Goblins Corner. Indeed. Do you like our show? We hope so. Subscribe to the podcast
1: on your favorite player, YouTube, and Twitch.
0: You could also do us a favor and click the five stars and give us a review on iTunes, Podchaser, YouTube. It helps boost the show and feeds the hungry algorithm. Yeah,
1: which is currently rolling some dice and betting on the nearest horse. (laughs) That's all the time we have for tonight. Once again, my name is Eric. And I'm Matt. We'll see you next time. Good night, folks. The Goblin's Corner is written and produced
0: by Eric Holden and Matt Staples. Show song by the Mighty D20. What a wonderful guy. This is a Subterranean Production. The end.